0: Ah, well, this morning we are going to learn about Rahab. And Rahab is actually covered in scripture in a number of different places. So we will be looking at a few of them for the start. I actually give as my text James chapter 2 verses 25 to 26, but we're actually going to read about five verses this morning and I'm going to let you know where we are in the process. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the word this morning. And I'm going to start in James chapter 2 verses 25 to 26. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and set them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Hebrews eleven thirty-one. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse. And then Joshua 6.25, But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Let us pray. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. Articulate your heart through my voice to your people. Let the transformation of our lives be wrought thoroughly by the Holy Spirit in response to your truth. In this Lenten season and always, let us faithfully remember the sacrifice you made on our behalf to draw us to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thinking about Rahab, I thought it was really interesting the way that Rahab is described throughout scripture. You will have noticed that she's often described specifically by what her occupation was. It reminded me of one of the tours I went on in Scotland. It's kind of a funny thing, but in Scotland, there's all this history, literary history, Lots of literary people were from Scotland, especially Edinburgh, where we were for a period of time. There's uh, Arthur Conan Doyle went to university to become a doctor there. Uh, there is Robert Burns, who is a big poet. All these people. But as we went on this tour and the guide took us to all these little places, one of the things he said was, frequently, you'll see there's nothing marked here. You'll see there's nothing marked here. And as we went on the tour, it became pretty obvious that apparently nothing in Edinburgh was marked. <laughs> and in fact, he told a story. He said, he said when his kids were little, one of the first things they learned to say was, There's nothing marked here. (laughs) But I tell you that story because sometimes when we're trying to figure out how things work, we get to places where there's nothing marked. And one of the conversations that we had as a part of this tour was that names matter. The places that we go, the things that we do, those names and the things that happened in a particular place, they matter. And so it is that we come to the story of Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. And we see over and over in scripture that that's how she's called. Now what that means in her time was that she served in the palace in a very particular function and she lived there for a period of time until she got to an age where she was no longer able to and then she got moved she was obviously wealthy because she lived in the place outside at the edge of town near the top near the gates which meant that she had some means and was doing pretty well for herself at that point in time which probably means that she was retired as well. But she was there, and here come these spies. To set the stage for you, Joshua was at one time a spy into Canaan himself. He was sent with Caleb. Once upon a time, Moses sent him and 11 other people into Canaan, to investigate. They came back, and Joshua and Caleb said, let's go, and everybody else said, eh, not so quick, not so fast. Let's, oh, breaks stop. So this time, when Joshua sends, um, and everybody listened to the 10, and not Joshua and Caleb, and so, God punished them by telling them that they had to wait 40 years. So now all of the people who were of age when Joshua and Caleb came back, except for Joshua and Caleb, have now gone on. And all that's left are the younger generations who are now going in to take what was rightfully theirs, what was promised to them by God in the first place, But Joshua sends a couple of spies just because he wants to know exactly what's happening. But he does it secretly. He does it quietly. He sends them in. And they get to town, and they probably are pretty obviously Hebrew Hebrew spies because they don't wear the same clothes and they don't talk the same way. And so pretty quickly they get picked out of the crowd. They happen to knock on Rahab's door, and she's like, get in here, you idiots. When you're spying, you're supposed to fit in. <sighs> right? She brings them in and hides them up on her roof under some bags of flax. And not before too long, here come, here come the, uh, the counterterrorism unit from Jericho. That's probably not what they called it. But the, the guys who were looking for them, they come and knock on the door. And she's like, mm, I don't know. Uh, maybe they went that way. I'm not quite sure. And she sends them on a wild goose chase that apparently takes them like three days. Once they're gone, she calls the spies back and she says, hey, look, let me tell you something. I've heard about you guys. I know who you are. I know who your God is. This is why I'm helping you. Because I know that your God is going to wipe us off the map, if that's what he chooses to do. And I want to be on the side of right. They promise that they will protect her and her family as long as they're in the house when the time comes. Now, mind you, nobody here nobody in this story knows exactly how God's going to accomplish the conquering of Jericho. Right? We all know the little, you know, the little song, you know, Joshua fights the battle of Jericho and the walls come tumbling down, right? They, they don't know that song because it hasn't happened yet. They're actually sitting there going, I don't know how God's going to go through, you know, 20-foot wide walls. To get us into this town, but God said He would. So, even Rahab believes that somehow the God who walked the Israelites across the Red Sea is going to make it possible for them to defeat this walled city. So the spies tell her okay, hang out a cord, a red cord. Throw it out the window. We'll know it's you. And we'll come and get you. And we'll make sure that you guys aren't among those who get taken down. So, some time goes by. They get out of town. They hide for a couple days. They figure out, they see the spies trackers come back into Jericho, and they leave after they get back to town, and then there's some time that happens, like it's several, several months before they actually get to the point where they come to Jericho. And they go through this, um, when they get there, I can only imagine what Rahab is thinking, when she's sitting in her house, and for a week, these crazy Hebrews are walking around the wall. Because that's how God did it, right? God had them walk around the wall once a day for seven days. And then on the seventh day, or for six days, they walked around it once. And then on the seventh day, they walked around it seven times. And at the end of that seventh time, they shouted and blew their trumpets, and the wall fell. What? Can you imagine if you walked around this building? Please don't do this, by the way. But if you walked around this building once a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, you walked around it and you blew a trumpet and you shouted and, all, and it fell. That would be ridiculous. Sometimes that's how our God is. He does the ridiculous to prove that he's God. In any case, Rahab and her family are where they're supposed to be. And they are rescued. The rest of the town is defeated. But that's not the end of Rahab's story. Rahab is one of very few women from the Old Testament who is mentioned several times in the New Testament. She's always mentioned as Rahab the prostitute, which is like our hook for where we find her. It's the marker. In Edinburgh, nothing's marked. Rahab has a mark. Her mark is Rahab the prostitute. That's how she's known throughout all of scripture. But do you know why she's known that way? Because God is saying, look, this is what she was. But here's where she wound up. Because let me tell you where she wound up. Because it's pretty cool. She wound up staying with the Israelites. Now she didn't have to. She could have gone anywhere she wanted. They didn't. There was no requirement that she stay with the Israelites when she came out of Jericho. She could have gone anywhere she wanted to. She could have done anything she wanted to at that point. But, that, but she stayed with them. And she stayed with them to the point that she married a man named Salmon who gave birth to she gave birth then to you get the names right. Make sure I get this right. Boaz, Boaz, thank you. Boaz, who married Ruth who was the great-grandmother of David. You might remember David. He was a king in Israel once upon a time. So she was not only rescued from this place where she could have died, but she became a part of the full story of redemption. She became a part of the story of Jesus. That's why we read the passage in Matthew because it tells us the lineage of Jesus and there she is, Rahab. We hear about her in Hebrews when they're giving a long list of the faithful in Hebrews. (coughs) The cloud of witnesses includes Rahab, the prostitute. And it's all because Rahab heard the stories about what God had done and believed that God could do it again. She was rescued. She joined the Israelites. She became a part of the lineage of Jesus. And she becomes a representative to us of what it means for faith to be acted out the best part of Rahab's story is that even though Rahab is always known as Rahab the prostitute that is not who she wound up being she started there that's where God found her that's where she was at the beginning but that's not where God left her And that's the same for us. Wherever God finds us, that may be who we are at the beginning. Maybe I am Jennifer the Angry. I don't know. That's not who I am anymore, but that's who I was when God found me. And then God flipped the script. Whatever we were, God rewrites our story so that the label everyone else gives us is not our ultimate truth. Instead, our truth is that God's faithfulness and mercy change us, transform us into the continuation of God's story in the here and now. Today, as we worship at the table, I'd ask you to remember the ways in which God has reclaimed you, the ways he's remade you, renamed you. Remember God's mercy and faithfulness as you receive today the gift of communion.